0: this week on Together for Salem.
1: See, Jesus didn't say he would build a place. He said he would build a people. If you are a Jesus follower, church is not a place we go to or something we do. It's what we are as a group. He taught that places and buildings are not sacred. He taught that the person next to you and you are more sacred than any land, any piece of land, any building in the world. That how different would our world be right now if we all viewed it this way, that people are way more sacred than land and buildings.
2: Hi, welcome to another episode of Together for Salem. Hello. Aaron, Monica. Monica, what do we have for the people this week?
0: Yes, we have a number of things. Um, many are the same, some are very different. Mm. Uh, this is part two of what lies ahead, which you're about to hear from our friend John. So we're going to pass it over to him in a minute, mm-hmm. no, 30 seconds, start the countdown.
2: What should we do? This is great because we're going to have one on time. the screen. What should we do if you're new?
0: If you're new, fill out the welcome form. Uh, it's easy, it's online, free stuff is available for you. And. Go ahead and do that. It's super easy.
2: And what are we going to do on the other side? On the other side, we're going to do some giveaways. Yeah, and announcements and everything. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. I think that's under 30 seconds. We'll see you in a little bit.
1: Okay, I have a secret to tell you. I know I'm a pastor and all, but I hate religious stuff. Like I can't stand it. Like when um, I get invited to somebody's house, which doesn't happen a lot because of my manners, but they say, oh, we have a pastor here. Will you pray for our dinner? And I'm always like, no, <laughs> you do it. I'm I'm off the clock. Um, or like those precious moments, little figurines and stuff, if you know what those are. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I grew up in a pastor's family and not my family, but the people around us maybe had these like, always the expecting things from me or assuming things about me because I was in a pastor's family. And I probably take all that too far sometimes. And maybe I'm a little too cynical about religion, but I think for a lot of people, and maybe even for you, when you hear religion, there's this ugh, feeling to it, right? This idea that religion, it's so easy to ignore or you do everything you can to avoid it or you've just completely rejected it. And to be honest, I don't blame you if that's you. See, religion's been used, misused and abused for centuries. It's been turned into a weapon of judgment. In fact, it's the history of religion really is the history of trying to control and conquer other people, especially people different. From you. Maybe that's why you've rejected religion. Maybe that's why you have rejected the idea of Christianity. And again, I don't blame you at all. And so you might be asking if, if I feel this way too, as a pastor, why do I help lead an actual Christian church? Why do I lead, I help lead, a registered religious organization? Answer: simple. The money and the power, obviously, right? No, the reason I help lead a religious Christian organization is because what we usually view as religion has nothing to do with Jesus. And if that's true, then why is modern American Christianity so religious-feeling? And the answer really comes from a pastor named Andy Stanley, who he has this idea of the temple model, that we've allowed the temple model to seep back into American Christianity. And this episode, just to be straight up and upfront, is is really heavily influenced by Andy Stanley, Will Mancini, and Corey Hartman. And so we're going to have links in the show notes to all the information and where we kind of got these ideas and whatnot. And you might not agree with everything they say, but I think their perspective, especially right now, is a very important perspective. And so this this temple model that we've allowed to seep into Christianity, into Jesus following, if you will. Really, you can see it in, in all religions, in the ancient religions, for sure. The, the Aztecs had the temple model, the, the Greeks, even the Jews, uh, African tribes, even the, the Rajneesh religion that was going on in Oregon in the 80s. This, and here's the temple model. It all has these four things in it. It has sacred men, almost always men. Not always, always, but usually men. Sacred men, sacred places, sacred texts, and sincere or superstitious followers. And here's, here's how it works. See, extreme power is given to sacred men, these men that know the secrets, right? And they're the closest ones to the deity. Power is given to sacred men who, who work and rule in sacred places. And it's their job to determine the meaning of these sacred texts And they're the ones who get to say, because of the meaning of the text they give, they get to say who are the sincere followers and and who's not. That's the temple model. Sacred men, sacred places, sacred texts, and sincere followers. But here's why I am part of a church. Because Jesus came to create something entirely new. He came to do away with the temple model. Get, Get rid of all that extra stuff that really has nothing to do with God. And unfortunately, we've allowed temple model thinking, this religious thinking, this this temple model practice, back into what Jesus originally created. And I'm gonna prove it to you in this episode. Can I take you on a journey? A journey through time. So Matthew records in his gospel, in his biography of Jesus, in his eyewitness account of Jesus, that one day, Jesus stood with his 12 disciples and and looked around him at Caesarea Philippi. This is a city that is 150 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's named after the first true Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. It was named after him when he died in 14 AD. And everyone knew who Caesar Augustus was. Everyone knew that he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, who had been recently declared divine, meaning that Augustus was the son of a God. And in this uh, city, looking over this city named after the Roman emperor, the son of a God, this pagan city with idols all over the place, Jesus asks, who are people saying that I am? And specifically, who do you think I am? And Peter speaks for the whole group. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, a lot of the times when we hear that passage, and maybe you're familiar with it, we always focus on, okay, so what does the rock mean? Because we think, okay, well, Jesus said he's going to build it on Peter, and that's the first pope, and we get all caught up in all that stuff. What the rock is, is not the main point of what Jesus is saying here. See, the main point of what Jesus just said is his claim, where he said, on this, I will build my church. Now, the interesting thing is, he didn't say church. See, the word church is actually a German word, which means house of the Lord. The actual word Jesus said in the Greek is ekklesia, which is not house of the Lord. It's not even a religious term. In Greek, it means like a gathering, an assembly, a a group of people called together for a purpose. And it's a tragedy of translation that uh, the early translators put in the word church, like a building instead of Ecclesia, a group of people. See, Jesus didn't say he would build a place. He said he would build a people, a group with one thing in common, him. The fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the actual son of God, God the son in a body. And maybe you've heard something like this before, but we need to repeat it. Church is not a place we go or something we do. It's what we are. If you are a Jesus follower, church is not a place we go to or something we do. It's what we are as a group. See, Jesus taught the opposite of the temple model. See, he he taught that places and buildings are not sacred. He taught that the person next to you and you are more sacred than any land, any piece of land, any building in the world think about how different would our world be right now if we all viewed it this way that people are way more sacred than land and buildings he also taught that no one is more more sacred or or more special has better access to God than anyone else yes there's there's leaders and teachers and and shepherds in this ecclesia but their role their responsibility is to be servants not lord it over people in fact he taught not that we, there are certain people who have special access to God, but he taught that God was our Father in heaven, ours, our common Father. We all share this access to God. In fact, Peter, who we just read about, would say that we are a, all, of, all Jesus followers are a holy priesthood, that we all are equal. We all have direct access to God. We all have a, the authority and the power to bring others to God, there's no more sacred people, no more sacred men. And with the sacred text, Jesus said that all the commands in the Jewish scriptures could be summed up with one command. All of it summed up in one command, love each other as I have loved you. He did away with all the temple model. And what Jesus was saying there, that I will build my church, my ecclesia, And the gates of hell and death will not stand against it. That must have seemed crazy to these 12 guys just standing there looking at each other, right? In the face of the power of Rome and and the might of the emperor, that they, these 12 dudes, would become a community, a gathering, a group more powerful than Rome, more powerful than the religion in Jerusalem, more powerful even than death. So it seemed crazy, but Jesus then kept healing people. He kept defying the religious leaders. And then he rode into Jerusalem as the chosen one, as the Messiah. So these 12 guys are like, yes, okay, this is gonna happen. Let's go, Jesus. And then Jesus was killed. He died like a, a common criminal. And they didn't keep the dream going, they left. They ran. They all lost faith because obviously Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the the Son of God if he could be killed on a cross in that way. There wasn't going to be this ecclesia, this Jesus gathering or assembly because Jesus hadn't based it on belief or, or rules or rituals. He had based everything of this ecclesia on himself. And if he's gone, then obviously it's over. But then he didn't stay dead. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And a few weeks later, after Jesus rose from the dead, he gathered his followers again and said what we looked at last week. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Like we said, that's a lot of authority. And think about this, that is an incredibly arrogant statement, isn't it? I have all authority in heaven and on earth. It's arrogant, unless it's true. See, and the resurrection proved that he did have all this authority. And so then the question is, Jesus, what are you gonna do with all that authority? What are you gonna do with all that power? And his answer is, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you out with this power and with this authority. And as you are going, you have the authority now, the power, to invite others into this ecclesia that I have created. That was the whole point. Go and build this ecclesia, teaching them what it means to follow me. And the early church, the first Jesus followers, they got off to a great start. In fact, for the first few hundred years, they got it. They were on mission and they didn't actually have a Bible to follow. They had a few letters from from Paul and, and Peter and John and they had the oral tradition of what Jesus said and did. But what they had, really had, was an incredible faith that was fueled by a love for God that expressed itself as love for others. And they truly loved each other. They forgave each other. They carried each other's burdens. They loved even people who weren't Christians. In fact, they actually took Jesus seriously, and they loved, chose to love, do good for their enemies. They took care of the orphans that nobody wanted. The babies that were left by the road to die, they took them in and adopted them. They took care of the widows and the poor, people who couldn't do anything for them. They gave up everything for, and it didn't makes sense to the people living around them and these people didn't fear death and as andy stanley says when you don't fear death you don't fear much do you you're not afraid to die then there's no well what if this happens to us and 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 what if this isn't taken care of what if we don't have food or clothes or a place to live see when you don't fear death you have no what ifs you're free you're free to be generous you're free to actually love your enemies and do good to those Who persecute you. And because of this, because they took Jesus seriously and they kept focused on his mission for them, they gained amazing popularity and approval throughout the ancient world, throughout the ancient cultures. Maybe not with the leaders, but with the actual common people. Because they shattered traditions, of, of the rules that had been placed on people, of, of the roles of, of men obviously being over women and over the children, and, and certain two groups of people are above the slaves. In fact, they, they truly believed that all people were equal in Jesus. See, when the church, the ecclesia, focuses on Jesus's mission, love wins and lives are transformed. But then, something happened. Something happened that changed the course of this movement. It happened in the year 312. Constantine was fighting to become the sole emperor of Rome, and he apparently had a vision of a cross, and he heard a voice that said, In this sign, conquer. And so he had all his soldiers paint a cross on their shield, and he actually did win that battle and was crowned emperor of the Roman Empire. He became a Christian. He made the empire Christian. He called it the Holy Roman Empire, which was very Roman, very empire, and not very holy at all. And because Christianity became the official religion of the empire, this temple model, this religion model crept in. See, Constantine dumped the wealth of the empire on the church, on on the leaders of the church, the bishops. He actually created a class of sacred men who were the gatekeepers to God. He built churches all over the empire and created new sacred places. And the sacred text, the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, and the New Testament, the the Christian writings were used and abused. And they're written only in Latin that only the sacred men could interpret. And it was chained to the altar so only the sacred men had access to it and He made everyone in the empire Christian. He said, We are now a Christian empire. Whether you actually followed Jesus or even understood who Jesus was, you were now a part of the Christian empire. He made being a Christian a socio political identity. If you are Roman, if, if you are part of this tribe or this group or this empire or this nation, you are now Christian. And in fact, he made heresy a crime. He made He made believing the wrong thing punishable by death. He made claiming right beliefs more important than actual faith expressing itself through love. And through this, the church leaders, and Constantine was part of it, wrote these creeds, these different creeds that maybe you've heard about. And they were these creeds of, here's what we believe, and if you want to be a good Christian, you believe these things too, and if you don't believe them, well then you're obviously out and you're a heretic. But all these creeds had a lot of what, the right thing to believe was, but they said nothing about love. You know, the main thing Jesus told us to do was to love each other. And this mentality of believing the right thing is what is actually important. That's what made the the Crusades possible, right? The idea of go kill these people who are different than you and believe wrongly. Go kill them in the name of God. And if you go do this and you, and you slaughter them, well, then all your sins will be forgiven because these people don't believe right. Obviously, they're God's enemies, which is the polar opposite of Jesus's actual call to love and his his example of loving your enemies. And then, a little over a thousand years later, Martin Luther and a few others had had enough. And so they started the Protestant Reformation in 1517, and they made scripture, the Bible, not the church or, or the Pope, the ultimate authority They translated, sometimes to their death, they translated the Bible into the common language so everybody could have it. And Martin Luther actually said this. He said, a simple layman armed with scripture is greater than the mightiest pope without it. Without meaning to, these reformers made the Bible a weapon. Protestants did with the Bible what the church had done with papal authority. They used it to control people. They used it to say, oh well, it, the, the, the Bible says here and it says here that you can't do that, and if you do this and if you say that, well then you're out and we, we can burn you or we can kill you or we can kick you out of the community. It says here and it says here and it says here. And then they argued over what certain verses meant and they split over it, and ultimately, love lost. See, religion prioritizes right, belief, and performance, while Jesus prioritizes people and love. And still today, we see this temple model as part of what it means to be Christian, especially what it means to be an American Christian. Mancini and Hartman in their book, Future Church, have these these four P's that they talk about. And these are the the four Christian preferences, the four Christian priorities, what we look for and prioritize in our church. They are place, personality, programs, and people. Place. It's, it's bringing back the sacred places of the temple model, right? Maybe you've, you've been to a church building and you go into that main room. What's that called? The sanctuary. It's just a big room. It's nothing sacred about that place. Or it's called that church building is called the Lord's. It's so good to be in the Lord's house today. God doesn't live there. He lives in you. <laughs> but this, this is where I feel close to God when I go to church. We brought back sacred places. And then we've brought back the sacred men. See, the personality, the preference of personality. I go to the sacred man, the church of the sacred man, I like best, the one that I agree with, the one whose teaching I enjoy, the one that I feel is closer to God and can get me more access to God. Personality programs. We look for the religious experience the sacred men can create for me, where I am taught the sacred texts, and then people. We look for the people to give us that uh, temple model. We, We go where our friends are, or where the people who are like me and who like me are. We go to where our tribe is. And if you change any of these, you have issues. In fact, you change any of these and churches split. And if you take all of these away, what do you get this past year? where people kind of lose it. See, we've been committed to our religious preferences instead of Jesus' mission to go and make disciples. I know that's a lot and it's heavy and that was a fun walk through history, right? So what do we do with this? I mean, it's a lot of information. I don't want to just dump information on you. So what do we do with this? And I think first what we have to do as we, as we look towards our future, we have to look inside. Because honestly, there's a little temple model in all of us. We feel a natural pull toward religious thinking instead of simple Jesus following. Why? Because it's actually easier to follow rules. Because if you just follow rules, you know what you can find almost every time? <laughs> Loopholes. So you don't really actually have to follow the rules, yet you still feel good because you kind of are, right? You're you're actually able to measure your spirituality in tangible ways because you go to church. you've, You've marked that box. You serve at the church. You've marked that box. And even you give your money to this religious organization. So obviously now you've done the things. You're good with God. And it soothes our pride because we can say, well, I've done these things and they haven't. Like I go every week and they only go once a month. So I'm better than them. I feel better than them now because I'm more spiritual. See, following the rules is much less life-changing than truly loving others. It's so much easier. It doesn't actually affect you, especially easier than loving people you don't know, you don't like, and you don't agree with. And so as we look inside ourselves, I have some what we'll call temple questions for you. And these are pretty they're challenging for me. They're probably challenging for a lot of all of us. Are you ready? So do we have some temple model in us? Well. Have you ever wondered how close you can get to a particular sin without actually sinning? I'm trying to find the loophole. In this past year, have you been more passionate about churches cl- being closed or open than, than actually loving someone who thinks differently than you? Or have you ever thought to yourself, somebody harms you or you see them do something wrong, oh, but the universe is gonna get them back for that, and secretly you say, and I can't wait to see it. Have you ever been more concerned about making America a Christian nation instead of loving other Americans or foreigners? Do you believe there's some kind of ritual that makes you right with God and and actually removes your responsibility to make things better with the person you've harmed? Maybe you've thought, oh, I'm a good person overall. So my, my good outweighs my bad. So I'm probably on God's good side. That's the temple model thinking or do other people's this is a big one do other people's sins and failings bring out feelings of moral superior superiority rather than compassion and finally if you are a church person you are a jesus follower you're a church goer you go to church did you pick that church do you stay at that church or did you have you ever quit a church thinking of quitting a church because of the preferences of place personality program or people Or are you actually committed to a church because that group of people is committed to the mission of Jesus and the love of Jesus? See, here's the thing. We can't earn God's love through performance or saying we believe the right things. God's love is a free gift. He already loves you. And he already thoroughly and completely likes you. That's why he gave you the personality he gave you. We can't do anything to take away his love. We can't do anything to balance out our wrong. We can't do anything to take away the wrong that we've done to others. It's done. It's happened. And so Jesus died to take that punishment, to destroy the scales of uh, does our good outweigh our bad. He destroyed that whole idea. And then he came back to life to bring all of us new life, a new identity, a new relationship, and the freedom to love others through his love by choosing... Not to obey the rules, but to trust his forgiveness. It's not a life. Following Jesus is not a life of, of burden, of judgment, of ritual performance, of making sure we believe right. And so maybe you you're watched the last episode and you're, you're reading Acts 1 through 12, and I think that's awesome. Maybe add this in one of those few times, those times that you're reading Acts this week. Here's, here's what Jesus actually said about following him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That easy to bear doesn't mean a life free of pain. doesn't mean a life free of hardship, but translated, it actually means kind. That what I give you is, is, is my kindness. It's not even a yoke, it's not even a burden. In fact, Dane Ortland would say it's like this, with Jesus saying, my burden is, is light, my yoke is easy. It's like, it's like telling a drowning man to, to put on the burden of a life preserver. See, his, Jesus's way is kind. It's the gentle way. It's not one of harsh expectations and, and heavy requ- requirements. It is a life of love and and His kindness changing us from the inside out. And maybe you've never heard it put that way, but that's what following Jesus really is. It's about accepting and trusting His love for you, His love to clean your slate. It's not about following the rules. And maybe there's a point where you say, you know what? That's actually what I want. That's the Jesus I thought I wanted and wanted to follow, but it's never been put that way. If there's never been a point that you've said, Jesus, I want that, I want to follow you, now's your chance. You can tell them, Jesus, come into my life, make me yours. I want to follow you, forgive me of my sins. I trust you and your payment on the cross and your resurrection to give me new life. It's that simple. See, following Jesus, being the ecclesia is not a hobby. It's not a religious power-up for the week. It's not even a philosophy for life or or a set of rules and beliefs to follow, and it's definitely not what it means to be American. It's also not about satisfying preferences. It's about inviting people to true life and being free to invite our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. And as we've been going through this series of, of what lies ahead, Cross Creek, as we as we talk about where the church has been and where we're going, and we're hoping to go in the future, and what that might look like for now, we're not trying to do anything new. We're not trying to reinvent Christianity or our church. All we're trying to do is refocus what we're created to be in the first place. And the fun thing, and the beautiful thing about following Jesus. Is that it's not complicated we're not trying to do anything complicated see i as i was working on this episode and, and kind of writing this stuff down my my son danny was in the room kind of hanging out with me and i was like all right i want to i'm going to quiz him on this right i'm we're writing about rules and jesus and stuff so i uh, we it's a good opportunity for us to have father son theological discussion time right something that's really going to change his life so i wanted to quiz him and i said Danny. I have a question for you. What does Jesus want us to do? And you know, I thought he'd say like, you know, be kind or nice and follow the rules and stuff. And I said, Danny, what does Jesus want us to do? He said, tell everyone about him. I was like, yeah, that's darn it. I wanted to have a conversation. So I'm like, okay, well, let me push for the answer I actually want. And I said, so he wants us to tell everyone about him, but what are his rules? And he said, love everybody. (laughs) See, it's not an eight-year-old knows it. What does Jesus want us to do? Tell everyone about him. Why and how? Because he loves everybody and he wants us to love everybody. See, following Jesus is not just another religion from which to choose. It doesn't require Sunday school. Danny hasn't been in Sunday school for over a year. Doesn't require a priest. Yeah, his dad's a pastor, but that would matter anyway. Following Jesus doesn't require Sunday school or a priest. It's not dependent on going to a weekly church service. The life Jesus offers is the simple freedom to love, not a complicated burden to bear. The life Jesus offers is the simple freedom to love, to live in His love and to share it with others, not a complicated burden to bear. There's something better than the religion we see around us. There's something better than maybe the religion that we've experienced ourselves. And it's what we've always been invited to be. So as we move forward in what lies ahead, I invite you, yes, you, to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers everyone together.
2: Welcome back. That is awesome. We are free to love. That's pretty much it.
0: Burdance. Speaking
2: Off. of free, how about this giveaway this week to Shakabra, guess who wins this week? Who? You'll have no idea. Yeah. Because I haven't told anyone yet.
1: Okay. Who'd you pick?
2: Br-ps-t. Karina, you have won $25 to Shakabra. That's exciting. This is awesome. And I said mac and cheese last week, but I meant to say mac salad. I have eaten the mac salad. It is bomb. It is. What are we giving it's away local this week? style. Oh, it's great.
0: Yep. So, check them out. This week, we are featuring Tacos del Sur, mm-hmm. which is in South Salem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of near the pet supplies store and Big Five and some other things. You can Google it. Uh, but Josue mm-hmm. threw out there on social media this week that his parents have kind of been struggling since all the lock in, lockdown, shutdown, open up, blah, blah, blah. So, he threw it out there on, I think, one of the Salem foodie websites' mm-hmm. pages. Uh, just a call to action. Like there's a lot of popular restaurants out there. Hey, try this one. They're a little less active on social media. So we thought, well, somebody texted us and thought this would be a giveaway, which we always appreciate your ideas. You can always shoot those over to us via email or messenger. That's awesome. But Tacos Del Sur, so we're promoting them because we want to throw some good business their way. We want to throw some tips and some smiles their way, some for Salem love. So podcasters on YouTube, Facebook, if you're in the Salem area, head down to Taco Del Sur and just bless them this week with your business.
2: Because you know what tacos sound like? What? Delicious.
0: Okay, yes. They always sound delicious. Podcasters,
2: you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Always
0: sound, Um, So we're going to give away $25 to Taco Del Sur next week uh, to a random winner. And you can enter on social media or Facebook. Great thing to do is enter to win. Better thing to do is follow their page, Zez on social medias.
2: Bestest thing. Bestest thing to do. Go eat tacos Go get there.
0: tacos, or nachos, or carne asada, or sopas, or whatever. So go check them out and support some of these smaller businesses, you know, that maybe don't have the, the wide reach. Yeah. Give them some, give them some love. It's a good idea. Yep. So we're about done here. We want to say thank you if you have given to Cross Creek. We want to say thank you if you filled out the welcome form. We want to say thank you for watching and listening on the podcast. If you've RSVP'd for our weekend party, uh, this weekend it's happening. So it's on Sunday at 4.30. If you're watching this before then, you can still come. There's gonna be some Traeger pulled pork. We're gonna hear from our very good friend, DJ Vincent, about some cool things happening at Church at the Park. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a little bit of music and just a lot of fun hanging out time. Excellent. And the weather's supposed to be good.
2: You said we can RSVP?
0: RSVP online. But if you Your don't and you just show him. up, <laughs> that's okay. But it is nice to have those RSVPs when we're prepping. For right. how much food
2: so we can, get. Like, yeah get. And,
0: yeah, and I wanted to give you a heads up because in June we'll also have two more parties, but the first party in June isn't really, well it is a party, but it's a service project. We're going to go right. to Woodman Sea Park and we have a couple projects that the City of Salem has uh, needs done, so we're going to go do those things. Everyone is welcome to come down to Woodman Sea and we'll have lots of work to do, we'll have fun too, uh, we'll be safe and yep. also we'll just bless that park. So, June 13th, check social media for the deets as they come as we get closer. But so mark your calendars for that one.
2: And also, you have a little bit of time left to thank a teacher in May. I'd be a teacher, I'd be tired.
0: <laughs> Don't thank him. He's already been Don't thanked. Don't
2: thank me. I've already been thanked. And <laughs> he's tired. Thank you to the person who thanked us. That was a great surprise. Mm-hmm. Thank a teacher someone in your life that teaches kids, Mm -hmm. you have a couple weeks left as of right now.
0: Yep, May, we're calling it The clock is ticking. So think a teacher. And then in June we'll have a new for Salem opportunity. That's right. But that's it from us.
2: June you want to do something in June. I'm gonna keep just (laughs) hitting this drum with this stupid June You love the June thing. I like the June you want to do something. You do.
0: This has been um, put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a 501c3 in Salem. uh, we meet in person on sites a couple times a month and weekly if you're in a connect group and always online, on demand, podcasts and YouTube. So thanks for watching. Yeah. Enjoy these questions. Yeah. And we're done. That's it. Episode 60.
2: See you at the parte or soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Number four.
0: Number four. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, we did
1: it! Nice. All right. Because of this, because Christianity went from this this small group of of um, what's the word? Oh well. And because of. Christianity becoming this, this, uh...